In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the Sacrament. Amen. Do you remember the character Jar Jar Banks from Star Wars? He's always kind of a thorn in the side, someone that was constantly showing up and causing trouble at inconvenient times. For the ancient Israelites, the Amalekites were kind of their Jar Jar Binks. Our first reading this weekend describes the first clash between the Israelites and the Amalekites. The Israelite people have just left Egypt, and in their six-week journey from the Red Sea to Mount Sinai, the Amalekites try to take them on in battle. Moses tells Joshua to pick out an army to fight the Amalekites. Moses, meanwhile, is going to stand on the top of a hill and raise his hands during the fight. While the posture is certainly one of prayer, and Moses also had his staff in his hands, no explicit mention of Moses praying is made. Nonetheless, as his hands get tired from having them raised, Aaron and Hur hold up Moses' hands. and This helps the Israelites ultimately defeat Amalek and the rival tribe. We continue to hear from St. Paul's second letter to Timothy at Mass. You'll want to recall that this letter is like St. Paul's last will and testament. He knows his final days are near as he awaits execution. Towards the end of the excerpt, Paul says to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingly power, proclaim the word. Paul charges Timothy, or more appropriately, adjures him, to continue to proclaim the message of Jesus. It almost sounds like an oath, doesn't it? Here's Paul, close to death, saying something equivalent to, I do solemnly swear that I have told you, Timothy, to continue to preach the message of Jesus. Why such serious language? Because the tradition of Jesus is at stake. Paul wants to make sure that Timothy carries the gospel message along into the next generation. That's important when considering that earlier in the passage, Paul reminds Timothy how he came to learn and believe because you know from whom you learned it, and that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures. Timothy had a Greek father and a Jewish mother, and this Jewish mother, named Eunice, together with his grandmother, named Lois, must surely have taught Timothy his Jewish scripture from an early age. To paraphrase scholar Christopher Hudson, from his mother and grandmother, Timothy learned the Jewish scriptures. From Paul, Timothy learned how they relate to Jesus Christ. Far and away, the biggest debate about our second reading is with one sentence right in the middle. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful. Now, right off the bat, in Greek, this sentence actually doesn't contain the verb is. At times, Greek sentences had an implied form of the verb to be. So the writing actually just says, all scripture, God-inspired, and useful. So the first major conundrum here is this. Where do we put is? Did Paul want to say, all scripture inspired by God is useful? Or... All scripture is inspired by God and is useful. Our translation at Mass chooses the second option. While we're at it, we also have to address how Paul describes scriptures being inspired. The word he uses is quite neat, theonestos. When broken down, we get the roots theo and pneuma, meaning God-breath. St. Paul describes scripture as God-breathed, a beautiful image for reflection. Although we won't get too bogged down by it because we still have to talk about the gospel, there's a still further debate about this one sentence when it comes to Paul talking about all scripture. What did Paul understand as scripture in his time, and what does he mean by all of it? But we'll leave that debate there and turn now to the gospel where a widow and judge are squaring off. 
It's a parable Jesus is telling, one in which a city's judge is described as neither fearing God nor respecting any human being. But in this city is a pesky widow who regularly approaches the judge and asks for a just decision against her adversary. Here we can make several notes. The widow herself is approaching the judge, showing us that this woman had no male relative in the city who could plead on her behalf. Furthermore, bribes were crazy common ways of getting a judge to act in one's favor. But since the widow has to repeatedly stand before the judge, she must not have had any money to pull that off. What was her beef? There's a number of theories, but for whatever reason, she persists long enough for the judge to deliver a just decision, but not because he wants to do what's right. He only wants her to go away. And humorously, he fears that she might finally come and strike him. In Greek, the word is hippopayazo, a boxing term describing someone getting socked and receiving a black eye. The judge fears the widow will give him a black eye, either metaphorically or literally or both. As with other parables, the purpose of the story is for Jesus to show how much more. If the dishonest judge will end up giving justice to this widow, how much more will God secure the rights of his chosen ones who call out to him day and night? So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this 29th Sunday in Ordinary Time in Year C. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.